thank you, Father. We want to just worship you, Lord. We want to give you praise. We want to give you thanks for all that you have done for us in our lives. Lord, this morning we just want to ask you, Father, once again to come, oh Father. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, and minister to us your word. Let your anointing be upon all of us this morning. Those who are hearing, those even as I'm speaking, Father, you teach us through your Holy Spirit. Spirit Spirit of God, teach us your ways. Show us your paths and lead us into everlasting life. Enable us, Lord, Father, to know and understand not just the letter of the word, but the spirit behind the letter, O Lord. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity once again, this opportunity that you have given to us. And Lord, come at this time into your hands. Father, grant us clarity, O Lord, even as we meditate upon your word. Make it clear to us. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, that we will just not be hearers, but the words that we hear will become life. To that end, I pray that you would bless, Father, the speaking and the hearing of this word. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So we've been looking at um, Thy will be done. <clears throat> so in order to do that, something is very important. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, if you will, turn me turn there first. And then we will redeem the time because the days are evil. Yeah. So we've been given this uh, incredible, incredible privilege of uh, of being called the children of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the what of God? The children of God. Incredible. And of course, after we become born again into the kingdom of God, um, God expects us to grow and as he says in Luke's gospel chapter 19 and verse 13, we've been looking at that particular verse. If you can put it in, put it up in KJV, it'll be great. And he called his ten servants and delivered him, delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. So he gave them all one minor and we know that all of them got the same, uh, Amount, if you will. All of us have the same time. Just imagine, like, um, if you've been following the stewardship series um, on the radio channel, Pastor was talking about stewardship of towards stewardship of time. Just imagine, every day somebody deposits eighty six thousand four hundred rupees into your account. 86,400 rupees. What you have to do is, by the end of the day, you have to spend it all. Okay, spend it all or invest whatever you want to do with it. You cannot leave anything. You cannot carry it forward to the next day. That's exactly what we've been given every day. 86,400 seconds. At the strike of 12 in the morning, midnight, it gets reset. There's no carry forward. Resets. And what we have to do is use the time that God has given us wisely. How we invest, not spend that time. 
We don't invest, uh, we don't spend it. We invest that time. Determines our eternity. How we occupy and make the best use of the time that God has given us is what determines our eternal destiny and also our eternal rewards. Just not normal rewards, they are eternal rewards. So we've been given time. And life on this earth is very, very short. Okay. Verse 7 of Psalms 90 to 12. 7, <coughs> 7 to 12. <coughs> For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days are passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh, he says. So if you spend, if this is of course talking about um, um, those people who are under the wrath of God, who are, of, he says, we finish our years like a sigh, and it's over. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Therefore he says, verse 11, who knows the power of your anger, for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us, verse 12, so teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. That is something which I want you to focus on today. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When you're 10 years old, each year that you spend was one-tenth. And you, what you spend the next year is also one-tenth, basically, of the, of the life that you spend. It's a fraction, right? By the time you're 20, it is one by 20. By the time you're 60, it is 1 by 60. It's getting what? Shorter and shorter and shorter. Okay. In fact, when you're, um, when you're a child, you want to grow va- fast. Right? And it seems like it's so slow. <laughs> okay. And when you're, by the time you're like 35, 40, boy, things happen so fast. At least that's how so many things have to be taken care of. And what else, what we have to do therefore is number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Time is short compared to eternity. If you look at the life of Jesus on earth, that is, three and a half years of his life, Jesus was never in a hurry. Have you seen that? Never. That does not mean that he was not conscious about the work. But he was never in a hurry. What was the secret of his life? His life was one that was uh, worked out from a position called rest. Okay, He was always at rest. But before we go to the life of Jesus, okay, and how he actually worked out his life, if you look at it, no? Um, he's never in a hurry. I mean, think about it. You're the, 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 the brother, I mean, the friend whom you love, the, the one whom you love, not the friend whom you love, the one whom you love is not well. Okay, he waits. He waits till he <laughs> dies. Not only dies, he's buried. And he's always on time. 
wherever he is going, is always on time. Go and show yourself. My time has not yet come. But your time is already there. I must do the works of him while it is day. Oh, that means there is a, there's an urgency. He was, there was a sense of urgency, but he was never in a hurry. That's a difference. He was never in haste. Okay, not in, not in, he didn't do things in haste, if, if, if you, if I have to use that word. But he was always urgent, meaning he was conscious about the work that he has to accomplish on this time, on, uh, on the, on the time that God, the time that God has given him, three and a half years. And it was more than sufficient for him to finish what God has, um, asked him to finish. And he says on the cross, it is finished. And the only other guy who does this, who says that is Paul. I have finished the race. We'll, 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 uh, we'll come to that point later. We know about holy, right? What is holy? The first element or thing that is called holy in the Bible is, excuse me, actually, God is of course holy, but the one thing he calls holy for the very first time in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Remarkable verse. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it. Rather, sanctified matlab? Separated, call it holy. Because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. What is that first thing he calls holy is time. It's remarkable. Time is precious. Time is something which God has given. God has ordained. In the beginning, he is the one who created time. Okay. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first thing he calls it as holy is time. And especially the time when he has rested from his works. Creative works, in other words. And for you and I, as believers, God's Adam's first day is a day of rest. We know that. We know that. We've studied from in different, different contexts, right? If you turn to uh, Exodus chapter 20 and verses 8 to 11, look at what it says. Hmm? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work and then all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord, your God, in that you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea, and not all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. You see that? You call it holy. We could learn a lot about work-life balance. That's a key word. If you uh, st- uh, look at any profession, you will say, we have to learn to balance work and life. We might learn, we might go to uh, coaching on time management or mismanagement. But we still will not be investing time the way God would have us unless we first enter what? The rest, that go- the rest of God and continue to make it our endeavor and practice 
to keep on entering into that rest. Why? It was. It says in Hebrews chapter four <coughs> and verse uh, nine and ten. It says, "Therefore, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God." For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Okay. In other words, the key to spending time wisely is to ensure that we have entered God's rest. Meaning, ceasing from our works and doing his work. For it says in Ephesians chapter 2, don't have to turn there. We have his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. Zealous for good works, we have been pre- uh, created unto good works, but unless and until we enter into that rest, in labor to enter into that rest, we will not be able to use and spend time wisely. We will just be wasting time. So first thing, is to enter. Meaning, ceasing from your work. What does that mean to cease from your work? Quit trying to first. Doing your will. Meaning, trying to earn salvation your way. No way. First thing, Lord, I am your child. I want to first repent of my sins. I don't want to work for my righteousness. I want to put my complete trust on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And the first step, therefore, to enter into God's rest is to cease from our works of righteousness and to trust on His finished work on the cross for our righteousness. That is the beginning of entering. That is the, that's, that's, that's what He says. Come to me, all that ye labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. First, that is entering. The first step. Second, He says, is take my yoke upon yourself and learn of me And then you will find what? Continue to find rest your souls. The first step therefore is to cease from our own works of righteousness. Trying to please God our way. And rest ourselves completely on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our righteousness. And that is is how we enter into his rest. And from then on, continuing to cease from our work and do his work. That is what Sabbath is. It says in Isaiah chapter 58, it says, don't have to turn there. It says, if you hallow the Sabbath, how do you hallow the Sabbath? From doing your own will and your own work. From doing your own will and your own work. That is how we begin to enter into God's rest. And how do we enter into God's rest? Say, Lord, I do not want to do my will anymore. I want to do your will. Thy will be done. That's what we heard. That is exactly how we labor to enter into your, into his rest. And that is the reason why he says in John's Gospel chapter 7 verse 17, don't have to turn there, he says, if anyone wills to do his will. Okay. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will prove that which is good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Okay. Redeeming the time, knowing that the days are evil. Don't be drunk with wine. In which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and do the will of God. Okay. okay, walk circumspectly, not as unwise, but as wise. Doing the will of God, doing the will of God, knowing the will of God. Spending time to understand and knowing God's will. 
That's exactly what Jesus was. So Jesus was, he completely ceased from his work. And he says, Lord, I'm completely occupied by your work. Right from his childhood. Remember? In Luke's gospel chapter 2 verse 48 and 49. Look at that verse and we will. 48 and 49. Look at what he says. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That was his. He was occupied doing not his work, doing the work that his father sent him to do. John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 31 onwards. You know this very well again. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know of. <sighs> okay. And therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish what? His work. You see that? Those who has who have entered God's rest has ceased from his works as God did from his. Now he's... Jesus is the one who is working from rest. He's teaching us. I'm not here to do my will. And I'm here to do my father's will. And you know what? When I'm about to do, when I'm going about to do my father's will, I don't even have to worry about food. You know what happens? My food will be to do his will. I gain strength. Ministry will become strength for me, nourishment for me. And then, uh, John's Gospel chapter 9 verse 4. I must work you see that? The works of Him. You see that, everybody? Who sent me while it is day. That means there is a set time within which I have to finish that work. What is day meaning? The time that God has given me where I should finish His work. What is? What do people do at night? They sleep. That means they will finish. It's, it's time to go get into the grave. That's what He says, right? In Ecclesiastes, He says, in, in the grave there is no work. He makes a very powerful statement. You will be dead longer than you are alive. Much longer than you are alive. What a statement that is. And in the grave there is no, uh, nothing can be given to your hands to work. Therefore, whatever you do, whatever you get your hands to do, do it. And would to God that whatever you get your hands to do will be the work of God and not your own work. So I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Meaning that is the time. It's over now. It's it's people who sleep, those who are drunk, they are drunk at night. Those who sleep are sleeping in the night. That means you're. it's over for you now. Day is the time that you can work as long as you live. In other words, I must. You see that? I may go. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming. When no one can work. He was conscious about that. Okay. All the time. He was not there to do his work. But to finish the work that his father sent him to do. That is how he. That's how his attitude was. Lord I want to know your will. I want to know your work. I want to do the things that you show me. I want to speak the things that you ask me to speak. Thy will be done. And therefore. One of the secrets of his life is he always worked from rest. Otherwise, you know what happens? You'll be going around in circles. Okay. 
So we begin from rest. And we endeavor to labor to enter into that rest. Are we okay, Sammy? Should I continue? Internet is gone. Are we back? Okay. So, we begin from rest. Okay. This, that means what? We have come to a point, we are saying, Lord, not my work, but your work. Until we come to that point. See, you could be in full-time ministry and still be doing your work. Okay. It's a labor. God might be calling you to one particular thing and you are doing so many other things in the name of ministry. Okay. The one who has entered God's rest has ceased from his works. And what does he, what does Jesus say? I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Meaning, in that day, I should know what that work is and I must do that work and I have to finish it. And there's a specific time that God has given it. That is the reason why he says, you have to redeem that time. No, time is such a fantastic thing, but there are two things, two words, which the Bible calls, I mean, uses for time. We, we know that very well. First word is called chronos, which is what, which, from which we get the word chronological time. That is day one, day two, day three, etc. Chronological time. And then there is keros or kairos, which is divine appointments. Okay. And when he says, redeem the time, what is he talking about? He's talking about Kairos. And we'll come to the connection between the Kronos and the Kairos later on. Okay. How do you redeem time? That is Kairos. Okay. So how do you redeem time? Is by spending your Kronos well. We'll come to that later on. Okay. But first, when he's talking about uh, redeeming the time, he's talking about chaos. Divine appointments. Don't miss those opportunities. Redeem those opportunities. And that's one work, uh, sorry, one chapter in the entire Bible which talks about chaos. Exhaustively and extensively. Anybody knows that? Excuse me? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Thank you so much. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's read from verse 1 to 8. This 1 to 8. Okay. We're talking about time and we will first talk about Kairos. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Okay. First. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear, a time to sue. 
so not so so right okay so sew okay a time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time for war a time of war and a time of peace a time of war and a time of peace and verse 9 what profit has the worker from that which he labors i have seen that god giveth that even the I have seen the God-given tasks with which the sons of men are to be occupied. You see that? And then verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And also he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to the end. We are not going to discuss too much on what the, the thoughts of Solomon are. Maybe that will be a different study. But there's a time for everything under the sun. And this is Holy Writ. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Okay. And he says, redeeming the time means, these are all, by the way, what do you think the word for time here is? Anybody? Kairos. It's not chronos, it's kairos. There's a time to be born. First, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. A time to be born, of course, we are all to be born into this world in a particular, at a particular time, and, you know, physically, of course. But we are also born again <laughs> into the kingdom at a particular time. That's the reason why Jesus says in John's Gospel chapter 3 and verse 5, look at what he says, verses 5 to 8. It says, Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And who's, who's this wind? This is the wind of the Holy Spirit. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So when you heard the gospel and received the word of God with meekness, you are born again into the kingdom of God. Right? Okay. God divinely orchestrated situations and circumstances and people in your life. So that you could meet him and receive his word. And be born again into his kingdom. It was a sovereign work of God. Not by the will of the flesh. Not by the will of man. But of God. As many as have received him. To them he gave them the authority or the right to be called the children of God. Who are born. It says in John's gospel chapter 1. Not by the will of man. Not of blood. But by the will of God. God in his divine appointment. Sovereign movement. Or what we call as a chaos movement. Decided when you would enter into the kingdom of God. Okay. Or rather, okay. So look at look at this beautiful verse in Romans chapter nine, verse eight to ten. Romans chapter nine, verses eight to ten is a beautiful verse. That is, those who are the children of flesh; these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. And verse nine, for this is the word of promise. Read that, everybody. At this time, you see that there was a chaos moment. At this time, I will come and Sarah will have a son. Of course, he's going to talk about Isaac. And uh, when uh, in Galatians will say, we like Isaac are the children of what? Children of promise. That means God in a sovereign divine movement sent that word into your life. Orchestrated all situations. I remember I got saved when I was 18 years old. 18, approximately 17, 18 years old. First 
after my BTEC first year, we went to a youth camp. That is when I heard the word of God for the very first time from a Pentecostal preacher. Okay. And I opened my heart and I received Jesus into my life. And then again, God orchestrated four years, situations, circumstances in my life that I could meet another brother four years later, another place where I got baptized. Okay. And several years after that, God orchestrated divinely all moments in my life that I could come back to Hyderabad and come to this church. And then of course, you know, after that, some of you know at least, not if not all of you. You see, God in his divine, divine appointment, you know what he did? He orchestrated situations, circumstances so that you could receive the word of God and you could be born again into the kingdom. There was a set time for you to be born. Embrace the gospel, repent of your sins and enter into the kingdom of God. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 1. This is Paul's testimony about himself. Galatians chapter 1 verses 14 to 15. Galatians chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. And I advanced in Judaism beyond my, many of my contemporaries in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But, everybody say that, when it pleased, it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. Yes, he separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grip. It pleased God. He separated me from my mother's womb, but he waited till I was ready to receive his word. He orchestrated situations and circumstances that one day he could encounter me and say, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Come on now, surrender and enter into my kingdom. Quit. All that you're doing. So there is a time to be born. To enter into the kingdom of God. And God will send words, word into your life over and over and over and over again. And give, and plead. It's, uh, I think Spurgeon was the one who says, the spirit of, the grace of God and the spirit of God will plead with the sinner all the way to hell. Hoping that he would open his heart and ask the Lord to come into his life. Psalms 32 verses 5 to 7. Psalm 32 verses 5 to 7. Look at this. And look for the word time. Okay. I acknowledged my sin. (laughs) And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you. When? In a time when you may be found. There's a time. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. If you can read from verses 6 and 7 in the NLT, it's very interesting. Therefore, let all the godly confess their rebellion to you while there is time. There are There is a set time. It's, of course, the word for time over here is translated as what? Keros. Keros. A divinely orchestrated movement for you to receive the word of God. It says in Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 20. Look at what it says. Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 20. The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. Oh, the harvest is past. The summer is ended and still we are not saved. 
Maybe this time that God has given us in this three and a half, four months was the time of harvest, of harvesting of souls. We have never preached this kind of, this this way in, in all our 12 years of the church. We have never done this before. God has ordained this time. It was a Kairos moment appointed by God. A period of time that God has given us. The harvest is passed. Now it is, I don't know how long it is going to last. Harvest is passed. Summer is ended. And are we saved? Look at what it says in Luke's gospel chapter 19 verses 41 onwards. 41 to 44. Powerful words of Jesus himself. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. What did he say? Saying, if you had known Even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And verse 41 and 43, For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you one stone upon another, because you did not, what? Know the time of your visitation. It was a Kairos moment for you and you missed it. It was time for you to receive the word of God and you missed it. Why? You did not want him. Why should we repent? Do not say Abraham is your father. You refused to repent. The harvest is past, the labor is ended, but you are not saved. There is a specific time God has ordained so that you can receive the word of God and enter into the kingdom. Okay? Yes, God is sovereign, but is he going to really force you (laughs) if you don't like to? If is he going to force you to repent of your sins? Yes, he grants you the gift of repentance. But would you surrender and say, yes, Lord? Okay. It's interesting, right? Those who heard the, heard the word were cut to their hearts and they asked him, what shall we do? And he said, you know what? The, uh, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repent and be baptized. That was a time. It was a set time. For them to enter into the kingdom of God. And they did not. So there is a time for all of us. To enter into the kingdom of God. And after that. The ark will shut down. 120 years God gave. Plus 7 days. (laughs) When all the animals entered. Noah and his family entered. They were all waiting. And it says after 7 days God shut the door. That's it over. He did not allow even Noah. To have the keys. Isn't it interesting? Noah did not have the keys to the ark. Because God did not trust Noah. Maybe his relative would come and say, Noah, I'm sorry, please, please open the gate. Maybe Noah would say, okay, fine, fine. One more person, God, and you would have possibly opened the door. Okay. It was over for him. It was over for him and it was over for the entire generation of Noah's time. It was a time... There was a time that God set time for them to be saved. And they did not recognize that time. And God says, he wept. Yes, that's what it says. The Spirit of God pleads you all the way to hell. (laughs) He pleads with you. He pleads with you and say, come on. Why do you be like the horse and the mule? It says in Psalm 32. Turn back to Psalm 32 and read from verses 11 and 12. Sorry. uh, Nine onwards. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which have, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. In other words, in other words, don't be like the horse, like you can, like we know the age old cliched, uh, maxim or pithy. What does it say? You can take a horse to the water, but you can't make it drink. You can drag the horse. You can drag the mule, 
please drink of the water. But if you don't drink, that's what I said, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, but we are not saved. Are we saved? Or are we still trusting in our own works? God will plead with you, but he will never force himself on you. And there's a time to be born. And our prayer is that none of us miss that time, that opportune moment that we should enter into the kingdom of God. First, there is a time to be born. Second, there is a time to, after after you, you are born again into the kingdom, you should, there's a time to die, meaning, there's a set time that God has given us to finish the work that we have to accomplish as born again believers. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, look at what it says. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10. <clears throat> For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Yeah? Not of works that any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So therefore, there's a set time that God gives us to finish the work that God wants us to finish on this on this sign of eternity. When we know that very well from Acts chapter 13 verse 36. What does it say? Acts chapter 13 verse 36. Very, very famous verse that we have looked at in so many contexts. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. He didn't die. I mean, fell asleep. That is die. Okay. Fell asleep. Was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. Meaning what? There is a time for God gives us on this side of eternity to finish his the will of God and to finish the work of God in our lives. In other words, none of us should die before our time. That's exactly what Jesus' life was, right? Nobody could kill Jesus before his time. Remember that? They tried to stone him, he walked past. They tried to throw him off the cliff, he walked past. They tried to capture him, he escaped. And it says his time was because his time is not yet come. Because his time is not yet come. And when his time had come, they said, let us not kill him during the Passover. They said that. When the time for him to die came, they said, let us not build, let us not kill him before the, because it's Passover. Let us do it after the Passover. But it was time for him to die. And he had to die. At that appointed, God appointed time. It's remarkable. That's the reason why he says in John's Gospel chapter 10, he says, I lay down my life myself and I have the authority to pick it up again. He was in absolute control. Before his time, nobody could touch him and many time had come, <laughs> nobody could stop him. It's remarkable. <laughs> there is a set time for us to finish God's work in our lives, my dear brothers. And what do we have to do? We have to ensure that we don't end up on this side of fraternity dying before our time. You see, understand that. The children of Israel wandered and wandered and wandered, rotted in the wilderness. And never entered into God's rest. They were saved, of course. What was the purpose? That they should enter into the promised land. But did they? No. Before their time they died. One sad example for me is Achan. All the years in the wilderness, all those battles he won with Sihon, the king of Heshbon, or the king of Bashan, maybe he did not take part in the rebellion of Korah. Hmm? He crossed the Jordan. 
He was circumcised. Saw the walls of Jericho fall down. Saw the harlot being saved. Died before inheriting his portion of the promised land. The irony is, he died in the promised land. And did not inherit the promise. Why? All because he saw one silly Babylonian garment. And he coveted it. And he died. Sad. And you think that believers are exempt from this? Look at what it says in First First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-seven onwards. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-seven onwards. Look at what it says, twenty-seven to thirty-two. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks God's judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak, many are uh, among you are uh, sick, and many have fallen asleep. Actually, the original translation will say, many have died before your time. Before your time. You know why? Because you did not have a lifestyle of examining yourself and judging your own heart. Okay, because you see, when you are in God's kingdom, okay, He will visit us for our iniquities. <laughs> Be very, very careful. Okay, so therefore, it's very important how we finish, not how we start. What a way for Paul and Peter to end, right? They know exactly the time of my, I have to put up my, put away my tent, he says in first, second Peter chapter two, chapter one, he says, my, the time for putting away this tent has come. Look at what it says in second Timothy chapter four. How, what kind of things that we, therefore we need to do so that we will not die before our time. Look at what it says in second Timothy chapter four, verses six to eight. What are the attitudes that we must have in order to finish and accomplish God's purpose on this side of eternity before we die. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time, he knows. The time of his departure is at hand. The word for departure is exodus. Okay? Okay, from this world. Hmm? That's exactly what he tells, uh, Jesus also says, uh, in Luke's gospel, he says, he was discussing with uh, Moses and Elijah. Uh, They were discussing about his exodus, which he is going to rot in Jerusalem. So, and he says, the time of my departure is at hand, but in order to ensure that I don't die before my time, I have done several things. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. What did I do? I fought the good fight of faith. Okay. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. And then verse 8 will say, now, finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He says, you know, the time of my departure is at hand. During this time when he wrote First Thessalonians, he says, Though we who are alive will be taken up. That's what he thought. But by the end of his life, no, he knew, he knew that the day of the Lord is not not coming during his time. He says, now my, the time of my departure is at hand. He knew precisely that he's finishing his work on this side of eternity. And you know, you know, you know what? In order to ensure that he did not finish uh, before his time, you know what he did? He did three things. What did he do? He fought. 
You know, the word for fight is, you know what it is? Agonize. He agonized. If, to what, for, what should we agonize about? Hmm? Understand this, okay? Luke's Gospel chapter 13. Let us read from verses 22 onwards. And when, and he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Okay. He went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. So he was teaching. He was teaching. Okay. Then one of them said, Lord, are there few who will be saved? Isn't it interesting how these two things are mentioned together? What was he doing? He was teaching. He was not performing miracles. I mean, it doesn't say explicitly that he was performing miracles. He was teaching. He was teaching. And the disciples were looking at the response to his teaching. <laughs> okay. It's like, my God, he's teaching. That's not in one city, in cities and in villages. And one place is called Decapolis. What is Decapolis means? Ten, ten. Deca means ten. Ten cities. In all the region called Decapolis, he went everywhere he taught in cities and in his villages, journeying towards Jerusalem. Even as he was going towards Jerusalem, he was teaching, 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 teaching. And one of the some of the disciples was looking at the response to his teaching. Boy, they thought that there is he's going to get uh, one million subscribers on internet, on YouTube. Nothing is of that sort is happening. Very few are actually responding. And then one of them said, "Lord, are there few who are going to be saved?" <laughs> they saw the response to his teaching and they said. Are there going to be any, only few people who will be saved? And you know what Jesus says in verse 24? Strive. Kya baat hai? What does that word mean? Agonize. Strive. To enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter, but will not be able. And when the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. And look at verse 26 and 27 now. Later in 29. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Oh! Look at this, look at this, look at this. Oh my dear brothers and sisters, we heard your teaching. We heard your teaching, Jesus. But I will tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity and verses 28 and 29 there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and you will see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourself thrust out. Stop there. Why? Because of the teaching. You heard the teaching but did you really respond to the teaching? No. Did you submit, You did you surrender your, your the instruments of your body as instruments of righteousness or instruments of lawlessness? Did the teaching liberate you from sin? If you know what it says, strive therefore, strive, our favorite. Romans chapter 6, verses 16, 17 and 18. Do you not know yourself? Do you not know that whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to that or of obedience leading to righteousness. And I told you, right, sin and obedience are, are personified over here. And verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were, as, you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine or teaching to which you were delivered and having been set free from sin, what happened to you? You became slaves of righteousness. And then verse 19, Therefore, 
I speak in human terms. Because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and to lawlessness or iniquity, leading to more lawlessness or more iniquity, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Therefore strive. Strive to enter. Agonize, he says. It's not easy. How did he finish this race and how did he know that the time of departure is at hand, that he was not going to die before his time. First thing he did was he strove. He agonized. He agonized. Fight the good fight. The word for fight is not fighting. Agonize. Agonize in prayer. Agonize in reading the word of God. Another place. 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 25 to 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 25 to 27. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Baba. Temperate, temperate, temperate. Everybody said temperate. Temperate. Do not be drunk with wine in which is excess or dissipation. When you do something excess, you dissipate. Be temperate. All things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but all things do not edify. I can do this, but I do not want to be Come under the bondage of anything. Okay. Learn to say N-O. Everybody say no. Learn to say no. For the grace of God that brings salvation to all men has appeared. What does it do? It teaches us. What does grace of God do? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldliness and worldly passions. So that we can live self-controlled and godly lives on this present age. So how do we do it? First we agonize by being temperate in all things. Being temperate. Being temperate. We know mitamu in Telugu. Mitamu ga jayal. Okay. We should never be satisfied with the word of God. That we can indulge ourselves in. But every other indulgence of the flesh, God gives us all things richly to enjoy. But that does not mean that we continue to enjoy. We'll come to that later on. But understand, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable or an incorruptible crown. And look at what he says. Next verse. Therefore I run. How? Not with uncertainty. Meaning I know exactly where I'm going. Thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air. That means every punch counts. I told you, right? <laughs> what does Muhammad Ali say? Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He knows he makes every punch count because you have only so much of energy for you. I don't want to dissipate my energy. <laughs> I don't want to dissipate. Dissipate means waste it away in riotous living. What, what do I do there? therefore? But I Discipline my body. I bring it to subjection. Lest when I have when I have preached to others, I myself should also not become disqualified. You know what it means? He says, I agonize. I want to ensure that I finish the, the work that God has asked me to finish on this side of eternity, of eternity. And therefore I agonize. I strive. And those who strive for mastery, it says, mastery means excellence. Is Temperate in all things. Temperate in all things. So therefore, agonize. I fought the good fight. What is fighting? I agonize first thing. Second thing, 
I finished the race. That means what God started in my life, I finished it with the help of God. Finish with God's help what he has started in your life and don't run someone else's race. We need to understand this. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 2. One, just enough, one, maybe. One is enough. One and two. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and sin. What is weight? That which slows us down. What slows us down? Every crooked part should be made, rough part should be made smooth. What does, what does, what slows us down? Which slows us down in our growth. By this time you ought to be what? Teachers. But you are still what? Babes. Why are you babes? Because there is envy and jealousy in your life. Okay. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles or ensnares us and let us run with what? Endurance. The race, the race, not the races, the race that is set before us. Now, of course, he's talking about everybody. So how do we personalize it? Therefore, I also, verse 1, verse 1. Therefore, I also, verse 1, just look at verse 1. Therefore, I also, since I am surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I lay aside every weight and the sin so which so easily ensnares me and I run with endurance the race that is set before me. I'll tell you something. You run somebody else's race, you will you will die before your time. Oh, Vijay, prove to me from scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 35, please. And let's read from verse 20. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, look at this now. I like this word. This 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 word, no? After all this, what is after all this? The reformation that he has wrought. The Passover that he celebrated, the temple that he rebuilt, the temple that he cleansed, the the way that he reinstated the priesthood, all this that he has done, great works. He also went and finished off the altar. Remember that, uh, who, who set up that altar? Jeroboam set up an altar, remember? Jeroboam sets up that altar and that, and that prophet who comes and says, you know, there'll be a guy called Josiah who's gonna come and destroy this altar. He goes and he destroys. In other words, he finishes most of the works that God wants him to finish. And then what happens? After all this, when Josiah prepared the temple, Nico, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Karshemesh by the Ephrates, and Josiah went out against him. Baba, Baba, Baba. What are you doing? Look at verse 21. But he sent messengers to him, saying, What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come come up against you, but against the house which I have war for what? God had commanded me to make haste. Refrain from meddling with God who is with me, lest he destroy you. What do you know what happened? Finished his, you know the story. Archers hit him and he dies before his time, bros. So, don't... F- so, first thing, agonize. Finish what God has started in your life. Third, walk. I kept the faith. Means what? Walk by faith till the end. 
walk by faith till the end. How do you walk by faith till the end? He says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 20, 36 onwards, 36 to 39. For you have in need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, after you have done the will of God, thank you Jesus, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will not, will come and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, after you have done the will of God, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. In other words, he says, endure till the end and possess your souls. Remember that? He who endures till the end will be saved. And Luke will say, possess your souls until the end. Or Luke or Mark, if I'm right. Possess your souls. In other words, don't ever, ever draw back. Meaning, don't ever get offended. The one thing that causes you to draw back, remember, after these things, many of his disciples drew back, it says in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 66. John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 66. Onwards. From that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to them, well, do you also want to go away? Does this offend you also? Why did they go back? They were offended. But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Understand this. Okay. Don't get offended. So between the time of, of, of being born into the kingdom of God and between the time that you born and between the time that you have to die, there is a time that you have to finish what, there's a work that you have to finish, that you have to accomplish. Okay? And let none of us finish this, ty- this side of eternity before we have done the will of God. Okay. After you have done the will of God, you will inherit the promise. What did Achan do? He entered into the promised land, but he did he do the will of God? No. Therefore, between the time of after being born into the kingdom and before you leave this time on, uh, on, the, on this earth, there's something which you have to do. I told about agonizing. Or striving. Second, I told about what? Excuse me? Excuse me? Okay, let me just finish the race and walk by faith to the end. Don't get offended at any point. And how do you walk by faith? Let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 2. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant. And a time to pluck what is planted. Of course, um, in other words, uh, there's a time to sow. And there's a time to reap. Right? The word for pluck is to reap, the harvest. The harvest is the end of the age. Remember? He says don't pluck the weeds and the tares together. You remember that? There's a, there's a harvest. There's a time for the harvest. There's a, therefore, there's a time to plant or there's a time to sow. And there's a time to reap. Psalm 126, verse 1 onwards. I love this verse. We can can actually read the entire psalm. Hmm. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. 
Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And look at what it says, verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth with weeping, bearing seed for sowing. And let's read the next two words. Shall doubtless, kya baat hai? Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves with him. Sowing in the morning. Sowing in the na na. Na 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 na. What is it? How does, how does that go? I don't know. Bringing in the sheaves. Remember that song? What a song! Sowing. There's a time. This is the time for us to sow. And one day we will reap. Therefore it says, do not grow weary in doing good. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season or in due time, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So what is the greatest danger for us? Are we are not seeing anything, any of the harvest. What's going, what's happening Lord? You know what he says? So in the morning, so in the evening. We do not know which one will grow. In Ecclesiastes he says, this might grow, that might grow, or both might grow. Which is the best case scenario? Both should grow. But at least one will grow. According to that verse. It does not say none will grow. <laughs> See, who is whoever is sowing will sow with expectancy. Rather farmer sow and say, I don't know whether the harvest is going to come. Nobody sows without expectancy, right? So you sow. Either this will come or that will come or both will come. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 1. My, one of my favorite verses now. Kya baat hai? Cast your bread. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Cast your bread upon the waters. For you will find it after many days. NLT. Give generously. For your gifts will return to you later. That's what he says. Okay. Give. Press down. Shaken together. Etc. Etc. And, and overflowing. Right? And you will also get back. Give generously. MSG. MSG. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields. Ha ha ha. High returns. There is a time for sowing. And there is a time for reaping. So between the time of you being born again and before you die, what do you do? Lord, enable me to sow. But God is not mocked. Whoever sows to the flesh will reap of the flesh corruption. But whoever sows to the spirit will reap eternal life. Therefore, ensure what you are sowing. Be sure exactly what you are sowing, that you are sowing in the spirit and not to the flesh. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. This is an inexorable law of the universe. Whatsoever you sow, that's exactly what you will reap. There's a time for you to sow and there's a time for you to pluck. So there's, there's a time for so, so many people sowed. Right? It is time for us to go and do the harvest also. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, please. Are we there? Verse 5 and 6. 5, just 5 is enough. 
He who gathers in summer <laughs> is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Okay. John's Gospel chapter 4. And verse 34 onwards. Four thirty-four onwards. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish what? His work. Verse 35. Do not you say, there is still four months and then comes the harvest. Kya baat hai? This is the verse which will speak to you directly if you are asking God. No, it spoke to me directly so many times. I had to ask God exactly for four months before I want to come to make, make a decision to full-time ministry. You know what God said? Don't say it is for four months. Verse 35. That was my reading for the day, by the way. And I opened my Bible. Verse 35. Don't say four months. There was a, people have sowed. It is time for you to go and reap. There are still four months and then becomes the harvest and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And look at 36 and 37. And he who reaps will receive what? Wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For this is the saying is true. One sows, another reaps. And verse 38 and 39. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. That's exactly how, you know, uh, Warren Wiersbe's books, book on being uh, the servant of God starts. That's, it starts with John's Gospel chapter 4 verse 38. I have sent you to reap that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. So many people have sowed the word of God. What is what is what is the time for us? Our time for us is to go and gather the harvest. And we have to. The harvest is ripe. Okay, there's a time to sow and there's a time to reap. There's a time to sow and there's a time to reap. Between the time of sowing and reaping, no, but between the time of uh, being born and uh, dying before we finish, finish this journey on this earth, there's a time of planting and there's a time of plucking that which was planted. Which is easy, planting or plucking that which was planted. I think uh, harvest is easier I think, I don't know, maybe we should think about those, those things. It says, now others have labored and you have entered into their labors. <laughs> God has made so many things easy for us. So many people came to India. So many, 2000 years back we had one man, one of the apostles who came to India. Hmm? So, there's a time to sow and there's a time to pluck. And then there's a time to kill. And there's a time to heal. There's a time to kill. And there's a time to heal. There was a time for somebody to kill. It was a Kairos moment for them. Remember that story? Not story. <laughs> when Moses comes down from the mountain and there's rioting that is going on over there. And Joshua says, oh, there may be the sound of war. And God's, Moses says, it's not, it's not the, it's not the uh, sound of war. There is a sound of rioting and drunkenness. And then he makes a statement, whoever is on the Lord's side, 
That's the Kairos moment. Whoever is on the Lord's side, come. 32, Exodus. Verse 25 onwards. So the Lord plagued the people. 32, 25, 25, sorry. 25 onwards, not 35, 25 onwards. Apologize. Now when Moses saw the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them for to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Remember that verse that Jesus says, whoever desires to come after me, will come to that. And all the sons of Levi, it is not without exception, all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And then, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance to to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill. Time for you to kill. I mean, I think that was the moment that they had to, I mean, it was before they could kill somebody by the sword, they had to kill them in their own hearts, right? Every man his companion and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of God and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 7. Onwards. Oh sorry, one second. 33 if I'm right. Hold on please. 30. Yes, 33 was 8 onwards. Yeah. And of Levi he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with you, be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contented at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children. For they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. That was the Kairos moment. Whoever is on the Lord's side, come. Did he said, let the tribe of Levi come? No. The invitation was for all. But only one decided to come. That's what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 14. Verse 25. Onwards. Let's see. Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to him. He also said. If anyone comes to me. <laughs> that's interesting. Who is Jesus? He's the Lord. Whoever is on the Lord's side. Come to me basically. If, you, if anyone desires to come to me. What should he do? And does not hate his father and mother. Wife and children brothers and sisters, yes, his own life cannot be my disciple. And verse 27, he who does not carry his, bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know what it means? In the new covenant, we don't kill people. But what do we do? Every relationship is only second to God. And what is important for us is not Earthly relationships is spiritual relationships. 
What relationship? Spiritual relationships. Jesus, your mother and your father, and your, I mean, sorry, your mother and your brothers are outside. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Those who listen to my word and do it. Those are my mother, those are my brothers, and those are my sisters. Wow! That's the reason why, you know what Simeon said, told uh, Mori, uh, Mary, you know what did, what, did it, what did he tell Mary? He said, a sword is going to pierce your own soul. Woman, what does that have to do with you? Me. My time is not yet come. Bah. My hour has not yet come, brother. My hour has not yet come. Every time he makes those statements, my dear, my, what a powerful statement that is, right? Even on the cross, even on the cross, you know what he says? Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He doesn't say, mother, behold your son. He says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And finally, at the day of Pentecost, she's also there among the 120 and everyone becomes the children of God. Behold, I go to my father and your father. Go and tell my brothers, he says. I go to my father and your father. Every other earthly relationship takes second stage. It's second First is God and God alone. And every other relationship that tries to come in between our relationship with God, cut it off. That is the reason why Jesus said, don't think that I have come to bring peace. Behold, I have bring, come to bring a sword and the man's enemies will be among their own household. And it says, people will kill you and they think that they are doing God a service. We should be prepared for that. We should be prepared. There is a time for us to kill. And once we have killed that earthly relationship, God will heal us. <laughs> you know what it says? Peter says, Lord, we have given up everything to follow you. Don't worry. Those who have followed me will not only get with persecutions, he will get double. Not only in this life, but also in the life to come. There is a time to kill and there's a time to heal and God heals us. That is the reason why circumcision is such a tough, tough thing to do, no? Circumcision is cutting off. What is it? It is a cutting away of the flesh. It's a painful thing. Cutting away of the flesh, cutting away every earthly relationship. Boy, what pain! Hmm. I remember when we were growing up, no? Some youngsters, I mean, in my peer group. Oh, Vijay, I can't live without that girl. <laughs> it, I feel as if I'm going to die. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing. <laughs> All those people with whom you thought you cannot live without. Thank God you didn't get married to them. I'll tell you why. I was thinking about it in the morning. You would have destroyed their lives. Honestly. Think about it. No? Think about it. If I would have gotten married to a person who was not interested in God and suddenly God calls me to the ministry, what a death it is for her. It's going to be a You'll destroy somebody else's life. Just just be careful. 
Okay, these are, life is too short, eternity is too long. There's a time to kill. There's a time to cut off every earthly relationship which is not of God. And you know what? God will heal you. God will heal. Amen? Amen. See, there's a, there was a time for Paul, so Saul to kill the Amalekites. There was a time. Goodness. Think about it, no? The Levites killed their own flesh and blood. Paul, sorry, Saul was hesitant to kill somebody else's flesh and blood. What a man of the flesh. God says, time's up, Saul. Over. Time's up. There's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. And again it says, there's a time to lose. And that's, that's, there's a time to gain. So I'm telling you honestly, I mean, I'm not uh, showing, going, going through all those things. There's a time once we are born and before we finish this work on earth, these are all the things that we have to take, we have to count, count the cost. There's a time to gain and there's a time to lose. In fact, there's a time to lose, it states, it says. There's a time to lose and there is a time to gain. The order is very interesting. There's a time to lose and there's a time to gain. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 onwards. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. This is all the same thing. But look at what he says, the ideas. For whoever desires to save his life will. Honest answer is, lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and my gospel's sake, it says in Mark's gospel, will find it. For what profit it is a man, is, is it to a man? If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? You see that? There is a time to lose our life so that we can gain it. And this is the time that we have to lose. Our life mean, our time has to go into the kingdom. Our money has to go into the kingdom. Our priorities are around the kingdom. Our relationships are around the kingdom. Every, that's what it says, right? When every earthly prop gives way, you alone are my hope and stay on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking stand. I should remember, I should have that, I should be conscious about that. It's very interesting. When there's a strife between uh, the, the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot, Abraham comes to Lot and says, we are brethren, we should not fight, you take the first choice. And he looks at the valley of Jordan and it looks like Eden and like basically Sodom, right? And it says, in the brackets it says, before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> I wish he had those eyes. I wish he had those eyes. Those who desire to gain their life when one day lose it completely. He lost everything. He lost everything. That is the reason why he says, let any man, be, every man be careful as to how he builds his house. Wood, hay, stone. Sorry, wood, hay, stubble or gold, uh, gold, silver or precious stones. For that day, we'll decide. A time to lose. And there's a time to gain. And this time is for us to lose. Are if you lose for God, I don't, you don't even have an idea as to what is going to come back to you. Like pastor was saying, right? He wanted a, a, a home by the brook. Lord, I've given up 
all the brooks for your God, for the for the sake of the kingdom, Lord. I know you're a father, and one day I want a house in the in eternity, which is by the stream. I asked God for something else. <laughs> I said, Lord, I have given up so many things I want. I'm not going to mention that, okay? Because I feel embarrassed, but still. <laughs> okay. See, I ask God. Ask! And it shall be given. Time for us to lose now. Look at what it says in Second Kings chapter 5, verses 23 onwards. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 23 onwards. Actually, it was 22 onwards. And he said, oh, sorry, 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 21, 21, Gehazi, right? So Gehazi pursued Naman. Yeah. When Naman saw him running after him, what did he do? He pursued Naman. He pursued Naman. Success ke piche mat bhag. I mean, there's a, say, there's a last line in that movie, you know? Success ke piche mat bhag. Excellence ke piche bhag, to success tere piche bhagega. Don't run after success. Run after excellence. You know what will happen if you run after excellence? Success will run after you. This is what Gehazi does. He pursued Naman. When Naman saw him running after him, he, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. I think the movie got it from this fellow only. All each well. <laughs> My master has sent me saying, indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. It's like, you know, a lot of Indian organizations sent letters to America. We have thousand member congregation when they have two or none. Okay. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And look at what it says. Naman said, please take how many? Two. And he urged him. Oh my goodness, he was so happy. <laughs> and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and had, handed them to the two of his servants. Kya ba Two, two, two. And they carried them ahead of him. And he came to the citadel. Is it interesting? Who was carrying? Nama, sorry, Gehazi was behind and the wealth was be, in, in front of him. What was he doing? He was putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. Literally pushing all the money into his house. And when he came to the citadel, he took them from his, from their land, from their hand, stored them away in the house, then he let the men go and they departed. And he came, now he went and stood before his master, Elisha, as before, as if nothing happened. Where did you go, Gehazi? And he answered, your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you? When the men turned back from his chariot to meet you? Read the next verse. Is it time to gain? Or is it time to lose? The word is again, what is it? Keros. Etz, translated as Etz in the Hebrew, which is translated as Keros in the Septuagint. It is time, is it time to receive money? To receive clothing? Olive grooves? Vineyards? Sheep? Oxen? Hurry, I just got two changes of garments. Two talents of silver. Nothing more than that. I know where this is heading. 
Is there time to receive money? To receive clothing? Olive grooves? Vineyards? Sheep and oxen? Male and female servants? And then, therefore the leprosy of Naman will cling to you and to your descendants forever. You see something, I'll tell you something. When when um, when uh, when god saw the the oppression that the children of israel were going through it says that he remembered his covenant god made with abraham isaac and jacob you see if you live a righteous life your descendants will be safe especially in the hand in the aspects of money Otherwise, the curse will come upon you and your family. It says, the leprosy shall cling to you and to your descendants. How long? Forever. Those who gain their life will lose it forever. Those who lose their life will gain it forever. What is your choice? There's a time to lose and there's a time to gain. Think about it, no? He went after silver and gold. If you are on the other side of eternity, you will walk on silver and gold. Kya baat hai? Roads, silver and gold. Think, Jay. We have to think about this, okay? If the roads are going to be silver and gold, what will the house be made of? Ah. My point is that, Right now you see the roads of made of tar and charcoal and coal and petrol and what have you. And they get destroyed very easily. And concrete sometimes. Or no road at all. If the roads are made of silver and gold in, I mean, of gold in heaven, what will be the houses made of? That is only left to your imagination. I can only imagine. Left to your imagination, my dear brothers. I think the elements of the periodic table will not be sufficient. Okay. Elements of the periodic table will not be sufficient because it is life. Elements of the periodic table are life under the sun. S-U-N. Okay. And whatever is life under the sun is under your feet in heaven. Kya baat hai. So it's just imagine, is this the time for you to gain or is this the time for you to lose? You make a choice. Paul was a smart man. You know what he says? Philippians chapter 3, <laughs> verse 7 onwards. 7 and 8, that's enough. Therefore, but what things were, what? Gain to me. These I have counted loss for Christ. Like, like Pastor says, the, the parable of the most precious pearl. Right? It's got two connotations. God forsook everything so that he could get, gain a pearl of great price. And we also forsake everything so that we can gain God. God and the priceless. It's not a pearl of great price. There's no price that you can, that you can even give. Priceless. That's what I'm saying, no? If the streets are of gold, what will be the houses made of? I can only imagine. I mean, I'm just go, I'll go crazy only. Just think about that. God, ask God for a sanctified imagination. 
sanctified imagination. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence. I said, I said something, right? Run after excellence. Success will come after you. Run after God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you lead for this life and for godliness will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Turn to Proverbs chapter 13 and the last verse. Proverbs chapter 13 and the last verse. Proverbs chapter 13 and the last verse. In different translations. Yeah, this is enough. Look at this, everybody. The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. What a statement that it is. The righteous shall eat to the satisfaction of his soul. What is the righteous interested in? His soul. He gave them the request of their or their request, it says in Psalm 106, but what did they send, send into their lives? Leanness into their souls. The righteous shall eat to the satisfaction of his soul. Meaning what? The wicked will never be satisfied. You know why? Because his God is his belly. That's the reason why it says in Philippians chapter 3. They are the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Their God is their belly. Their, what is it? Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly, earthly things. And their end is what? Destruction. And he says, I'm saying it weeping. I count all things loss. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Okay. The stomach of the wicked shall always be in want. Means the wicked will never be satisfied. Okay. Net worth 18 crore. Net worth 350 crore. Net worth 4500 crore. Net worth 10,000 crore. Billion crores. He still is hungry. You know why? You are not satisfied in the soul. God gives all things for us richly to enjoy, but you will never enjoy. That you will be like what? Uh, what's his name? Solomon. And it says vanity, vanity, all is vanity. You know how many times he says the word vanity in Ecclesiastes? 38 times. That's significant, isn't it? Significant, 38 times. 38 times, significant. Running in a rut. He says, life is like a circle, he says. Oh, the the clouds come, they they pour out the rain, all the rivers flow into the sea, sea is never filled. And it's going in circuits. The sun is going around, I'm sorry, the earth is going around the sun. The sun, the entire solar system is moving. Everything is moving in circles. What is B will be K sara sara, sara sara sara. What is the whole point of having this life under the sun? 38 times. It's vanity. But we know what Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10. Look at that verse. It's a fired up verse. John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10. Kya baat hai? Look at that verse. The thief does not come to except to steal, to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have what? Life and that you may have it abundantly. We, we are those people who enjoy life abundantly. That is the reason why Paul tells in Timothy, he, he says, you know what? God gives us all things for us richly to enjoy. Those whose eyes are stayed on God will be able to enjoy everything that God provides to them. And those whose eyes are not stayed on God will never be satisfied. The wicked will always have an empty stomach. It's an empty, it's a, it's a bowl. It's a, uh, a beggar's bowl, right? Beggar's bowl will always be empty. 
Understand that, my dear brothers. Therefore, there's a time to kill, and there's a time to heal, and there's a time to gain, and there's a time to, sorry, lose, and there's a time to gain. So, what does it say in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8? It says, but what, yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. I want to gain him. That is my ultimate goal. Because I have come to give life and life abundantly. Whom shall we go to God? You and you alone have the words of life. Those words that I speak to you are spirit and life. This is life eternal that you should know me, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is life. And he who has a son has life. And he who does not have the son does not have life. But the wrath of God remains and abides on him. Finally, we'll stop with this and we'll go to two more verses. There's a time for war and there's a time for peace. Now is the time for what? War. Second Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. We know this very well. It happened in the spring of the year. Everybody say that. At the time. At the time. What is the word time? Keros. At the time when kings go out to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him. And all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon. Besieged Rava. But. Rabid remained. There was a time for war. Not for peace. You remained in where? Oh, Jerusalem, the place of peace. The Ark of the Covenant is there, Nana. In the tents. You are supposed to go and fight. As pilgrims and strangers abstain from fleshly lust, which war. This is a time for war. This is a time of war. Not of relaxation. That's what, it, that's what Paul tells Timothy. He says, as a good soldier, abstain from civilian affairs. <laughs> Don't get entangled with civilian affairs. Everyone who has been enlisted as a soldier makes it a point to please the one who has enlisted him into battle. Therefore, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ as discipline. Endure hardship as what? Discipline. Is because this is a time of war and not of peace. Peace will come later on, not now. Peace is a result of what? War. Ultimately, he will come and he is not going to spare. So, there is a time for everything under the sun. Right? There are, these are, this is, of course, we are talking about chaos. So, what should we do with chaos? According to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 to 19. Look at what it says. 15. Onwards. See that you walk circumspectly, not as wise, also not as uh, fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So what are we supposed to do with Kairos? We have to redeem. Thank you. We have to buy back. Redeemante, you have to pay something to get it back. Because the days are evil. And then verse 17. Therefore, 
Therefore, in order to do that, in order to redeem that kairos, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So how do you redeem kairos? By understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the two things in order you have to do in order for us to be people who will redeem all these chaos moments in our lives. How do we do it? First of all, we 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 we, uh, we want to understand what the will of God is. First thing we have to understand the will of God. A lot of people do not understand what the will of God is. So we know from the last last time, this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God uh, that you give thanks at all times. Okay, this is the will of God by uh, by doing good that you would put to uh, silence the ignorance of foolish men. This is the will of God if it is if it is needed that you should suffer for righteousness' sake, etc., etc., etc. We understood the will of God in detail last time, so we have to understand the will of God. In order to understand the will of God, you know what we should do. First of all, first of all, we have to understand the will of God in order to redeem the time. Second, he says. You should not be drunk with wine. That means there should not be any rioting in your life. There should not be any wastage. In which is what? Dissipation means wastage. That's exactly what prodigal son did. He wasted his life in what kind of living? Riotous or prodigal living. Or reveling. Riotous dissipation. That's exact. This is the same word. Excess meaning dissipation. Where you are living your life before your time. A lot of people don't wait for time. There's a time for so many things in your life and you do those things before you are ready for it. A lot of people are not ready for marriage but they dabble with sex. They're not ready. And what happens? They mess up their life. They dissipate their life. A lot of people are not ready for a big, big salary. You know that? They're not ready. <laughs> Character wise. God cannot trust them, trust them with money. If you become successful before your time, you know what happens? You waste it. That is the reason why you need to get success God's way in God's time. 13 years it took for, G- for Moses, for Joseph to reach the uh, position of the prime minister. Boss, let it take time for us also. We should never be successful before our time. We should not have things before our time. You know, I remember when we were growing up, no? Um, one of the things, I mean, very good practice my parents taught us, no? He says, don't try to earn money before your time and become independent. Oh, this is my money, I got it because of, I took tuition, etc. I used to say, no? Hello? Yeah. See, these are all things that you need to understand. These are very, very important things. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be, what should you do? You should be filled with the Spirit. In order to understand the will of God, what should you, what do you need? Therefore, you need the infilling of the Spirit. And in order for me to, for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we should not be drunk with excess. There should not be anything which is of excess in our lives. That is the reason why the, the one who strives for mastery is Temperate in all things. He's not wasting. My goodness. Ask God to give us the grace to stop wasting our resources. Wasting. 
Okay? We become good stewards of every resource that God has given us. So, how do we how do we understand the will of God? But be filled with the Spirit. By being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Next verse will say. 19. Hmm. Speaking to one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? By singing to one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And how do we fill with the Holy Spirit? It says in Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Singing to one, one another, but psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That is the reason why we spend these moments. You know what we spend? We spend chronos to redeem kairos. That's the point. We spend the chronological time that we have so that we'll be ready spiritually for the visitations of God in our life. I remember power, pastor was telling us, no? Do you think that the call of God will just come just like that to you in your life? I remember that we were the stewardship of time. You were you put it up on the on the internet on the on the on the radio. He was he was telling us no that that was one message which stuck to me all my life. Okay, right right from the time no. He says I used to attend every study, every meeting, every Bible study, every prayer meeting. Pastor's own testimony. And one day, and many of the times, nobody used to come for the prayer meeting. Only he was there <laughs> for the all-night prayer, all-night meeting. And one of the days, when he was rigorously and regularly going for every meeting, the hand of God came and touched him and called him into the full-time ministry. What was he doing? He was spending Kairos to redeem, sorry, uh, spending Kronos to redeem Kairos. That is the reason why. How do you spend or rather spend Kairos? Sorry, Kronos, First Peter chapter 4, verse 1, 2 and 3. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1, 2 and 3. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And then was that he no longer should live the rest of his... What is this time? Kronos, thank you so much, not Kairos. So that he should no longer live the rest of the time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. What should you do? You should arm yourself with the same methodology of thinking. That means you ought to change the way you think. That is the reason why we saw in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, we said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. How does it happen? By continuously spending time, your chronos, chronos, the chronological 24 hours that God has given us, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. What is that day and night? Kairos or Kronos? Kronos. Day and night. Meditating. Thinking. Why? Verse 3. Look at what it says. For we have spent enough of our past. What is that lifetime, Baba? Kronos. Our past chronological time, we have spent sufficiently. All birthdays. One birthday, second birthday, third birthday. Hum bhi agar bachche hote, naam hamara bablu. Khaane ko milta laddu aur dunia karte, happy birthday to you. Abhi abhi, hum log abhi kya? Hum bhi agar buddhe hote. It says, you know, before the days of evil come, before you don't have teeth to grind, remember your creator in the days of your youth. 
That's what it says. I mean, I, I, I wanted to put that up in Ecclesiastes, but we will do it for a later time. There is no teeth for you to grind anymore. It's gone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For we have spent enough of our pastime, lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in what? Lewdness. This is what is called dissipation. Lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties and abominable idolatries. We have spent how much time, Baba? Enough time. Can you imagine if a girl which is or young child who is living, uh, who is seven years old and is reading this verse? I only lived seven years. You know what God is going to tell that girl or boy? You have, you have spent enough time. You have spent enough time. Oh, let me enjoy. No, 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 no. You have spent sufficient time, Baba. Sufficient time is enough. This is enough for you to experience everything. For we have spent enough time of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness. Therefore, we have to be very careful as to how we spent. You look at this. The word is spent here. And that is, the word is, in Kairos, it's what? Redeem. You have to redeem Kairos and we have to spend Kronos. Or rather, invest Kronos so that we can redeem Kairos. Those moments are, because they are all God-ordained moments. Those are the visitations of God in our life. So, we spend enough time of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. But what do we do now? We do the will of God. Let us read this in message. In the message translation and we will stop. Since since Jesus went through everything you are going through and more, learn to think like him. Wow. Learn to think like him. And it says in First Corinthians chapter 3, we have the what of Christ? Chapter 2 actually. We have the mind of Christ. So, chapter 3 if I am right. Chapter 3 or chapter 2 if I am right. Okay. Okay, First Corinthians chapter 3. Since Jesus went through everything you are going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from your old sinful habit of always expecting to have your ah my way. That's what. That's the reason why whoever loses his life will gain it, but whoever gains his life will lose it. And there's a time. This is the time for you to lose, not to gain. Then you will be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Kya baat hai? And next verse 3, you've already put in your time in the God-ignorant way of life, parting night after night, a drunken and profligate life. Now it's time to be done with it for good. Verse 4, of course, your old friends don't understand why you don't join in with the old gang anymore. What was happening with that gang? Dissipation. Dissipation, wasting of time. But you don't have to give an account to them. <laughs> you have to only give an account to God. So, spend time with Him. It's a beautiful promise. Now. Beautiful promise in Psalm 84, verses 10 and 11. Beautiful promise. What a promise it is. One day spent in your house. Okay, actually... If you can put it in the normal translations, please. 
Okay, I like okay, okay. Okay, let's let's go back to message later on. Okay, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. You know what it means? You spend one day in the presence of God. He will give you sufficient time, as if sufficient time. Time will time will stop for you. In fact, before you finish your work. I mean, I, I like the way God stops sun and the moon for Joshua. What is he doing? What is he doing when he's stopping sun and the moon? What is he doing? He's stopping time. He literally at that point, I believe Joshua entered into timelessness. Because the whole universe stopped. I mean, think about it. No? If the earth is moving around the sun, and if the sun stops rotation for one minute, give, imagine the gravitation and the centrifugal forces, all those the Newton's laws which have to be, uh, which have to be taken care of. The natural laws. Right? Centrifugal force, the centrifugal force of the sun, uh, earth around the sun is equal to the gravitational force and therefore it's the balance which is going on if you understand physics. Everything has to stop. Time stopped for Joshua. Time stopped for Joshua. Spend time in his presence and it will be what? Like thousand elsewhere. The thousand times, uh, days that you spend in dissipation one day that you present in his spend in his presence. And then I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Tents of wickedness, let me put it in uh, modern language. Uh, uh, IMAX. Uh, Inox. Inox. Imax. Okay, so many eyes. Okay. I is maximized. I is knocked out. Everywhere. <laughs> it's, oh, <laughs> I don't know. That's exactly what happens, right? When you go to the movie theater, your eyes come out of your sockets. <gasps> okay. I have to see how children watch the screen like. They don't even blink an eyelid. And then you suddenly come in, come in, uh, come into their field of view. Mm, mm. They will do. Okay. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Look at this. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Say amen to that. Amen. No good thing will he withhold. Because God gives all things richly for us to enjoy. Enjoy. Everything in its time, in its place. Let's read the message and we will stop. <laughs> message takes it a little too much, but I like that. One day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship, beat thousands spent on Greek island beaches. Wow. I think Eugene Peterson had, might have had this experience. <laughs> he wouldn't have written this. I don't know. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God. Bah! Than to be honored as a guest in the place, in the palace of sin. All sunshine and sovereign is God. All sunshine and sovereign is God. Generous in gifts and glory. He doesn't scrimp with his traveling companions. Kya baat hai? He doesn't scrimp with his traveling companions. 
So redeem your time, my dear brothers. Redeem Keros by spending Kronos. Redeem Keros by spending Kronos. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, for this day. We just worship you, we praise you, we give you glory. What an awesome God we serve. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd grant us all that sense of urgency, O oh Lord, that we have spent sufficient time in drunkenness, in revelries, in dissipation. But we want to spend the rest of the time knowing and understanding the will of God. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to meditate upon your word. Grant us grace to that end, O Lord. That we will, Lord, not finish, we, we will not enter into eternity without finishing the purpose what, for which you have granted us entrance into your kingdom as born again, born again children. There was a time for us to be born and there's a time for us to go, go, go to sleep. But before, be, between these two, O oh Lord, there's a work that has to be accomplished. And for that, we have to redeem our time. And therefore, I pray, Lord Jesus, that every one of us, O oh Lord, will be conscious about that. O oh Lord, that we will work out our salvation with fear and with trembling. We will redeem the time, knowing that the days are evil. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and Amen.